Hey, this is Adam. And Matt. And here's what's coming up on this week's CarCast. I, I wouldn't marry a supermodel, and I wouldn't pick out my favorite car and make it my everyday car, because it just becomes your everyday car. Yeah, I would I would drive that every day, and I would marry a supermodel, so we differ there. <laughs> yeah, but see, then the supermodel gets downgraded to just some chick who shit up the bathroom the other day when you came home early <laughs> from work, and then it becomes weird, you know? But that's the problem, is eventually your new car does not become your new car, it's just your car, Yeah. and the next thing you know... You're yelling at the supermodel. Get out of the way. You're blocking the fucking TV set. Listen for free through iTunes, the free Adam Carolla app, or visit acecarcast.com. This is Corolla Digital. Hello, my little gummy worms. It's me, Allison. Before the show officially starts few words. Uh, Gary, I think we have some iTunes comments of the week. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments and don't forget to click five stars. All right. Our first iTunes comment of the week comes from Earlyville and it is titled, Maybe Too Good? Question mark. Is there such a thing? Allison has some kind of knack. For spinning straw into gold. She has interview any interviewer I've ever heard beat for her ability to make the prosaic fascinating and funny. Most recently, she made a conversation about overpouring milk into a cereal bowl. Interesting. She has a unique acuity for identifying the right point in a conversation to pivot into personal matters inoffensively while nailing a one-liner at the perfect moment. Why do public people feel so uncomfortable talking about things they've never shared before? Because they're talking to Allison. So comfortable? I did say un- uncomfortable, and that was my mistake. It <laughs> That's definitely okay. I'm says still, comfortable. I'm here. still thinking about his use of the word acuity. Yeah, I, I like prosaic, too. I know. It's very... Excellent work. There's a bit more here. I know. It uh, takes a dark turn right er, here. Here Earlyville also says, sure, her politics are misguided. Excuse but she, you very much. But she listens to the other side, as you can hear on AC's podcast. That puts her head and shoulders above the ideological kin in the podcast world. Listen to this podcast. Her ability to get people to divulge details about their lives would have gotten her burned as a witch 1,000 years ago. Thank you very much, kind of. But I do appreciate the comment and... Uh, this just goes to show that if you say enough nice things about me, I don't mind what you think of my politics. All right. The next one comes from Lofi Companion. Uh, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. And it is titled Interesting and Touching. Very addictive show. I have gone back and listened to both of the Bobcat, Gold- Bobcat Goldthwaite episodes at least three times. I've always liked Bobcat, but after listening to Allison talk to him about what he finds funny, the different kinds of work he does, and where his ideas come from, I am now an even bigger fan of both of them. I continually hear Allison ask questions of her guests that I never hear in their other interviews. Thank you for all the smoke you're blowing up my buns. And the last one is by Kelvis92. You are my new best friend. I am. Exclamation point. I swear I turned down a lunch date with a real-life friend yesterday because I didn't want to pause your interview with Elizabeth Lame. Then I was channel surfing and screamed out loud when I saw you on some e-true Hollywood story on Kate Gosling. I seriously felt like I had stumbled on my BFF on TV. Not that I'm some crazy shut-in. It's just that listening to your podcast genuinely feels like spending some quality time with an old friend. And just as if you were my real friend, I am super annoyed at you for getting that stupid White Snake song stuck in my head. Twizzler and all. Grr. Keep up the good pod. Well, what was that one person's name? That was from Kelvis92. Guess what, Kelvis92? 
There's a little more Twizzler talk on this episode, but it's tucked at the end. Um, as for the true Hollywood story thing, I didn't even know that I was in that Kate Gosselin thing. Um, they like if you sit down with E and you do an interview, they will cut that up and use it in different uh, true Hollywood stories and whatnot. So I, I get comments like that. Um, quite a bit because I am very famous. My face is everywhere. I have important things to say and I am very humble. Um, um, that actually brings up something that uh, I'm going to talk about on the next episode. Oh, that was just a tease, you guys. Um, okay, so if you would like your comment to perhaps be an iTunes comment of the week, make it full of compliments uh, and just leave it on iTunes and click five stars. And as I have said before, I begin to feel a little bit worried that you guys are thinking like, oh, she just selects comments uh, that talk about how much everyone loves her and what a great interviewer she is. Uh, yeah. Pretty much guilty as charged. Um, But we love your comments, all of them, and it helps keep the show uh, rated high on iTunes, and then that helps with everything, and it helps uh, more people to discover the show, which is what I want. I love you guys. Okay. Also, I need to say a few words about some of our favorite sponsors, Stamps.com. If you are going to the post office and dealing with all the bad moods that people are in at the post office and perhaps spending up to 5,000 hours while you're trying to get your stuff done at the post office, there's a better way, you guys. There's a better way to live. It is the way I currently live. I don't even know where my post office is because I have stamps.com, which means that I can print out official U.S. postage with my home computer and my home printer, and I never pay one cent more, one red cent. I don't even know what a red cent is because I don't pay it. Uh, I know exactly how much postage to put on my parcels and packages and letters and uh, what have you because there's a scale that they throw in, a free scale. It's fun. Plug it into your computer. Weigh anything on your desk. You could weigh your cat if you have a cat. I would never have a cat because I'm allergic. But if I had one, I would weigh it and then I would send it to someone who's not allergic. Um, you guys need this. In this day and age, there's no reason to inconvenience yourself, inconvenience yourself by going to the post office when you can just do everything on demand when you want it with stamps.com. So right now, use my name, Allison, for a special offer. It's a no-risk trial. Uh, it's a $110 bonus offer, which includes a digital scale and up to $55 of free postage, which is a mind-bogglingly awesome it's a mind-bogglingly awesome deal, and I can't believe they're throwing in $55 of free postage because that's a lot. Uh, don't wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Allison. That's Stamps.com. Enter Allison. Also, go to meeting. Gary and I have used this, um, and we love it. Let's say you are – where are you? You could be in Jamaica. You could be in Jamaica, Queens. You could be – at a coffee house. You could just be in your living room. The bottom line is if you need to have a meeting with the people that you work with, you do not want to have to schlep your buns. I've said it. That's the second time I I said that. I'm into bun schlepping evidently right now. Uh, You don't want to have to haul your butt there we go, into the office and meet with them face to face when you can do it in a much more pleasant and convenient and efficient way on your computer or on your iPad if you download the uh, Citrix app onto your iPad. This is the way that people will be meeting in the future. You can get all your work done. You can hear, you can see each other really well because it's go to meeting with HD faces. So it's like crystal clear quality. You can hear each other. You can collaborate on documents. It is awesome. 
not only that, but you can give control of somebody else in the meeting, your computer, I'm sorry, give somebody else in the meeting control over your computer. So if you're collaborating on like an Excel document or some kind of a, you know, script or something, anything, you can give control of your mouse and keyboard over to another person so that from their laptop, they can make the alterations that they think are necessary. And you can avoid the extraneous time of them trying to explain what they want changed and why you can just let them do it. Yeah, and then you guys can them. discuss. So it's, it's really, it's a cool feature. There's, there's 10, 15, cool features like that and uh, we just don't have time to go over them all but it's an excellent product it's built for business and unlike some of the free um you know other web-based video chat stuff this does not break down we've used it 10 or 15 times and it's always working right but you guys can try it free start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with go to meeting and my listeners can try it free for 45 days 45 days don't wait for this special offer visit go to click on the try it free button and use the promo code allison that's me i'm allison that's why that's the promo code be sure to use the promo code Allison. All right. Here is the, an episode that many people are already very excited about. I know I am because I already heard it. Uh, the guest is Duncan Trussell. We love him. You will love him. Please love this episode. I love you guys. That is a lot of love. There's a lot of love happening in the last 20 seconds of this. Um, here's the episode. Bye, you guys. I love you. Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen. Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. It's me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Um, there's a tickle in my throat. I'm just warning you guys. My guest today is the one and only Duncan Trussell, comedian, actor, writer, producer. Do you produce? I have, I have a podcast. Does that count as production? No. And podcast host. No, it does, actually. You're I, totally you – are, you're a producer. It's a foggy term. It really is. It, sometimes it's a bullshit term. It's like a thank you for your money. I will refer to you as a producer. Well, yeah. It's like a way that you don't have to commission your manager. Yes. So you also host a podcast and produce it, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Yes. You used to host the Lavender Hour. Yes, co-host. And co-host. And you are are you are you Death Squad? <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap There's my head another fo- what Death there, Squad. There, there, is. That, that's another that's another foggy term I think that doesn't have any clear. You know, there's there's Brian Redband's Death Squad Death Squad Studios, and, oh, okay. and which is sort of his. Is that in Olive the, Garden? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he'd like it if it was. <laughs> but that that's like his his thing. So, you know, it seems like uh it's become a kind of umbrella term for me, Joe Rogan, Joey Diaz, Bert uh Kreischer. Kreischer, Jason Tebow, Tripoli, I don't know. There's like a group of people who who sort of rotate through Rogan's and Brian's podcast, and I guess if you make enough appearances, people just start assuming that you're a member of this. Well, I announced on the Burt Kreischer episode that I wanted Death Squad to love me and embrace me and accept me, and so I've been getting a lot of really nice tweets from them. Huh. So I want to be honorary Death Squad, I think. I, I, I mean, w- I think I am already. Sh- I Maybe I want to y- graduate from honorary to real. Well, legit. we've got to come up with some initiations then. Like we have to come up with some like if we're going to like go like make it official, there has to be a series of tests, initiations, um uh hazing. Hazing I'm not is what that. I'm getting at. <laughs> what would it, what do you think it would be? 
I, I don't know. I mean, I think it would vary from person to person. I, an initiation is such a curious thing. It's a, that's the kind of that's the problem with the moment you start categorizing a group of people is pe- mm-hmm. you immediately create a state of dualism, which can only produce conflict. Dualism, like either you're in or you're out. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the moment you come up with any, you know, like, for example, from time to time, a blog will release a uh, uh, top 10 comedians of America. From time to time. Yeah. All the time. All the time. Yeah. And somehow the, just anyone can make a list. And when you make the list, right? Either you're great and you include us, or you're not great and you don't. But well, but it's so manipulative because let's say that you've got a website and there's an advertisement on the website for Ford, and you're like, how do I get a lot of hits on this website? Oh, I know. I'll put a list, and on that list, I'll put a bunch of people with Twitter followers and and say that they're great. Yeah. And then inevitably, like five of them will be like, I got all the best comics to watch list guys right. and they'll tweet it and then it drives all this traffic to this arbitrary list of comedians that anyone could have invented and but ultimately what it does is it gets a lot of hits on the Ford advertisement that they're doing and it makes them a shitload of money because they manipulated a bunch of narcissists which is like the easiest thing to do on the planet right yeah I you know I come from a, I have a journalism background and when I worked in print journalism There was a lot more of a division of advertising and editorial. And, you know, as that was when I was in an alternative weekly to begin with, it was like you weren't even really supposed, they were, the advertising was in a different room. And you, I remember one guy called me to pitch me a story. He told me that like his friend who worked in advertising had recommended that he pitch me. And I knew that like you're not. something wrong happened like he was that was never supposed to be communicated to me because now that i know i can't a i don't want to do it and i can't and i feel weird and i feel dirty yeah um that was probably the last time that it was ever that pure and then when i worked in new york at uh you know different magazines there was sort of it was beginning to break down but but still but still the editors really did choose um not based on advertising but when you were making a list of 10 comics or 10 new 10 restaurants or 10 whatever it was always like you got to get new it has to be new it has to be something we haven't done before it has to be you know have to have a um a good mix of gender and of ethnicity that makes it sound like there's a ton of genders all five genders that'd be great yeah so i mean it wasn't just like what do i think is the funniest or what who do i think is the best band or this or that you know there was like so many things they were trying to hit um and then now with the web you're right like it's that uh division between advertising and editorial i feel like is it's it's like a cheesecloth oh yeah well i mean yeah you you definitely don't get the luxury of not knowing what you're advertising i was actually just talking to a friend of mine about this um video that i did for comedy central's uh video division which at the time was adam tv but i think that dissolved Mm -hmm. but you know, we shot this thing and then I, we made it up on the internet and I go and click on it. And the commercial at the beginning was for Axe Body Spray. And it was like a, I don't know, a five minute Axe or two minute commercial. It was really embarrassing because that product is like innately embarrassing, <laughs> you know, and, 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 um, and, and cheesy, you know, yeah. kind of like it, it, it's one of those cases where, 
a corporation did some analysis of their demographic and created a passive aggressive response to just thinking that their demographic was idiots, which happens a lot of the times with these bastards is that they, they deplore their demographic because they're really smart people, but they recognize like, yeah, douchebags love to spray our poison on their bodies. <laughs> so you, you, you're that cynical about it. You think it really is like a in your face douches. Well, no, I just think that they are looking they're they're by they're sort of like making this rudimentary analysis of uh the widest swath of people that they can and then trying to do a kind of tongue in cheek mirror of them, but still appeal to the basic drives that they think represent their demographic, which for acts appears to be putting date rape drugs in people's drinks and like you know, like just the most vile references to like their they're cocks, you know, but it, I mean, whatever. I don't care if it works for if people like to spray that. I think it's like 14 year olds dust themselves with mm-hmm. it. I, I don't think it's like anyone over the age of 14 is spraying axe on their balls. Right. You'd have to be such an idiot to do that. But um, is it meant for your balls? Oh, yeah, man. You got to keep your everyone. Ge- Gary keep does your not gear, it too. Keep everyone your knows gear this? clean, bro. Oh, my God. Does everyone know this? Like if this was if this room were filled with dudes would all of them be nodding right now yeah because these bastards have been shoving their crap commercials in our faces for so long it's i guess i just missed this what they were actually saying Spray I was so, balls, brother. Do they say that? That's what the, it's <laughs> it's practice it's almost at that level i'm so literal i just assumed it was body spray you don't want not- that dick cheese spray <laughs> your balls uh, it's like that it's kind smeg of, off yeah it's kind of that sort of like or be gone smeg be gone yeah it's anyway. The point is the 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 what's really awesome simultaneously. The awesome thing about being more in control uh, or knowing your advertising, you get to pick mm-hmm. who you're going to represent. That's what's kind of cool about it is that you don't have to like have something just shoved right. into your right. the thing you're making. At least you have some knowledge that you've agreed to this thing to yeah. representing this thing. You know. Yeah. I and I do have to say, um, podcast audiences I find are pretty cool with the fact that they're our ads in the podcast because I think they realize that and, and I, I'm going to after I say this I'm going to ask sort of what your model is on your podcast but they realize that they're getting a podcast for free and that this is how the podcast is staying afloat via these ads so well you know I did a pod an episode recently where I put an ad in the usually I do all the ads up front mm-hmm. but I put an ad somewhere in the midst of the show and so people some people complained they're Hmm. like why'd you interrupt the show with an ad it's like you idiot don't you understand the internet you can leap forward right it's like takes two seconds if it really bothers you a one and a half minute ad skip ahead yeah that's all you got to do what do you you don't want to move your mouse you don't want to like take the energy to move to the next place I mean, it's really kind of like ridiculous that yeah. someone get upset. I I can understand like when you're when there's no t- TiVo or or no. If you're uh, in a movie theater or something, or if you're watching a musical, that's a great way to put it. If you're watching Les Misérables, yeah, and you're or the sick Book of, of that Mormon, bitch yeah. I mean, she wasn't a bitch, but maybe a little bit. She's I don't remember which one was Eponine was. Yeah, she was a bitch. She was a bitch. Yeah, who was not? Who um, Cosette? They're all kind of like Cosette precious. was the daughter of the uh, hooker who yes. was na- yes something Fonte in 
Fontaine. 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 Yes, yes. That's right. Now, now they're all very precious. Like well, in yeah, Les Miserables, like everyone's so goddamn precious. You just want to powder and comb all of them because they're so innocent and sweet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember Eponine being a particularly. Ooh, the microphone is getting farther away from your face. My apologies. I should have my phone turned off. That was rude. There's a baby on your phone. Is a baby calling you? No, that that's not my baby. I got to take it off because as a joke, I put the baby on my phone because I Google search ugly baby because I notice like how people always have a baby on their phone when they have a baby. Like yeah, you, you can always to. tell if someone has a – it's like the new wedding ring. Like yeah. if you see if someone's got a baby Right. On, if you're sleeping with a guy and his phone rings and there's a baby. Yeah. Yeah, exi- yes, something yes. weird might be There's going on. There's a problem, on. and and I yeah. did it as a joke because this kid simultaneously is so incredibly ugly. But the reason I'm really uh, into this picture of this kid is because he's so bitter, and I don't understand. Can I see that. this? Yeah, bitter, let baby? me let me get the let me figure out a way to get it to come up. But it's hard for me to understand how a being that's only been on planet Earth for two months could already have the bitterness of like a racist southern sheriff or some kind of like someone who should be running the clan or something yeah. the look on the baby's face is one of such absolute disdain for all life that it seems <laughs> to prove reincarnation but let me see if i can find a picture of the baby for you oh okay now here's a question yes. that's come up on this podcast before yes. what do you think is the cutest puppies babies or ducklings it should be noted that you're looking up and you're deep in thought. Yeah. Ducklings are out. I mean, they're adorable, but they're totally out. When they walk in line, it's great. The problem with babies is if you look at the gestalt. The, the, Whoa. What do you, Whoa. I wish Pla- I had a picture play. of the look that Allison just gave me. Please take this in the spirit it's intended. Could you play the thing? Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. No one says yeah, 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 no one yeah. shits on ducklings. You're a here. big fan of ducklings, huh? Yes. What is not to be a fan of? Now I will admit, I will admit, there are some puppies that are cuter than ducklings. God, I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to go there. Duck, there's really nothing cuter than a duckling. Sometimes a puppy. Babies. I think What's they're a duckling. What's a duckling? It's a tiny duck. That's I mean, adorable. I, it's, it's, it's like they a waddle. It's like a keychain. Some... It's like a waddling keychain. I mean, they're cute, but it's not like a puppy. A puppy, a puppy is probably one of the cutest things that not only exists on this planet, but in the entire universe. You, I feel like a duckling could take on a puppy. So let me. Okay, I, I ha- had I had pet ducks. So here's a, I have a duckling and a puppy, okay. right? And I say to you, I have to put one of these to sleep. Ugh. Which one do you pick? What kind of puppy? <laughs> uh, you name the puppy. A oh, stray, right? an old mangy old stray puppy, but oh, still a bat. P- you're gonna get- <laughs> so okay because I feel like there's probably certain kinds of puppies that aren't that cute, but this is a, the, the ultimately the ultimate cute puppy. Listen, this you is the don't, cutest puppy. You don't. In the world. You're not gonna eat a puppy, but if you're at a nice restaurant, you might order duck. I don't eat duck. <laughs> For well, this but, reason. But the op- – I'm not saying that because something is – by the way, I see, because I you eat saying. something doesn't make it non-cute. But I, I, I think that uh, definitely puppies beat babies. They do. Babies right? are filthy. Yeah. That's the weird thing is that really babies should elicit the, the strongest, cute, I want to protect that thing response in us. And yet not all babies are – like babies kind of grow into their – cute adorableness they're terrible they're stinky they get diseases they give you like that skin blistering disease 
they're sick all the time. What's the skin blistering disease? I, they just because they're always covered in their own piss and shit. They mm-hmm. like if you like touch them at the wrong time, then you can get herpes. Yeah. Babies will give you certain babies. I'm sure will give you herpes. They're filthy creatures, which is why when you, it's so weird that some restaurants you can't bring your little chihuahua in, but you can bring your screaming, squalling, diaper-filled, poisonous offspring that you selfishly had because you weren't even thinking. Are you going to have kids? Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Soon? No, I mean no. I I don't. I I would say that the. I don't know that that's in my future. I'm not a po- I'm not as much as I apparently hate babies from that weird rant. I'm, <laughs> I'm not opposed to it, but you know there is. It's kind of like what you mentioned about advertising when you're an, an editor. It's a, this kind of you know a lot of being comfortable in life is predicated on having someone in another room that you can't see doing things that you don't have to feel responsible for. And in the same way, when someone decides to have a baby, they don't really, I don't know how many people put a lot of thought into the impact that that has on the universe, not just environmentally, but on the subjective universe that you've created from bringing a being into the world. Because that thing's going to die, you know, like having a child is damning a being to death. I think Jack Kerouac said that. When you have a kid, you've God, damned a right. thing. You've given something the death sentence. Anytime you have a baby, you've given it life, but you've also doomed it to some miserable coughing, choking, trauma, death. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, it's a big responsibility. So if you're going to bring something into this dimension... You it's sh- like the opposite of making a vampire via true blood. Now, I know that for you, vampire has kind of a different name. There you go. But you're making something mortal. Yes, that's brilliant. Exactly. It's the way humans make vampires, I guess. Yeah, or their own version of it. Mortal right. vampires. Right. Because it is a form, you know, a human is a form of vampire. It does convert the life energy of other things around it into its own life energy. What would you do if you gave birth to a psychopath? Now, I like to believe, and I could be wrong, that there is something in nurture as opposed to nature that creates like a, a Dexter, let's say. Yes. Um, but but let's just say that that and, – and I like to think that because therefore I think, well, I know that I won't – that I'll be a good parent sure. and that won't happen. But what if you have – you know, what if your six-year-old starts pulling wings off flies or something or something that telegraphs uh, destruction even greater than that? What do you do? Well, I mean, I think that the the um, you don't ignore it. It would be the first step, and and quite often you find in like the stories of serial killers' parents that there was a level of uh, like really effortful ignorance where there were all these signs and they just kept turning away to try to right. So you think it's denial more than negligence? I think I think you yeah exactly. It's I mean denial is negligence. Right. But but yeah, so I think that you if you recognize that your child is displaying uh behavior traits that go along with uh what we know means they're probably going to be serial killers or like you know whatever dark deviant thing is then yeah, you start acknowledging it and you start doing everything you can to keep that shit from happening. I mean, I saw an interview with Dahmer's father once that was the poor bastard is like still a little bit in denial. But the story was Dahmer. I don't know what age Dahmer started killing, but he was still living with his dad at the time. And uh, he had a box up in his room that was locked. And his father uh, told Dahmer, I'm going to open this 
we have to open this box because I think you're looking at pornography in my house. And Dahmer's and, and like, I want to crack at it. Yeah, I want to see what you're jerking off to, <laughs> right. killer. But he's like, but he, yeah, he's like, you know, can I have a little privacy, Dad? Come on, just let me have my box. And he's like, really starts freaking out, throwing a t- temper tantrum. His dad brings the box downstairs. He's like, I'm taking this to the garage, and I'm going <laughs> to cut the lock off. And he's like, Dad, I hate you. And he freaks out and runs out, comes back a little, like a few minutes later, he's like, Listen, Dad, you can open the box. There's pornographic magazines in there, but something about their grandmothers at home at the time. Can we, can we wait till grandma goes out tomorrow to do it? Mm-hmm. And his dad's like, all right, here's your box. <laughs> so what does Dahmer do? He goes upstairs, unlocks his box, takes the human head That's that what was, was in, in there? the box out of the box to hide it, maybe replaces it with porn or whatever. But in that interaction of his father, right. he'd been he a good dad, father. Yeah. He'd be like, no. Right. I don't care about your grandma. I'm opening this box because my spider sense is going off. And this, if this is porn, it's heavy porn. <laughs> and it you smells. Know? And it stinks. Yeah. What is your, yeah. Have you been wrapping fish in your porn? <laughs> and all those deaths would have been prevented if, yeah. you know, he had taken action. But this is the behavior trait that is in so many other things. Like what that the, the coach who was like humping the little boys in the shower. Sandusky. Sandusky. Everyone knew about Sandusky, right. but no one's doing anything about it. So it's whenever you have a monster, you'll find that the monster is the very is sort of the flower growing off of a tree of denial. And that if people just stop denying things, then the, a monster can easily be taken care of. Yeah. Um, so I have to tell you, I love your podcast, and I find it so inspiring Thanks. and positive. And um, I just, I just moved, like just moved, and the week surrounding it was really stressful, as a move will be, but just yeah. other stuff as well. And I was just kind of beginning to get, I don't know, angry or upset or, or bitter or just frustrated. Um, maybe the two weeks leading up to it, and. You know, and and kind of petty and just hanging on to like, like so dragged down and and mired in just stupid petty shit that yeah. I wasn't seeing the big picture at all. And then just listening to your podcast, I'm trying to remember which episode it was. It may have been one of the Burt Kreischer episodes um, or it may have been He's a Pete best. Holmes one. But I, it just made it kind of reminded me that I can choose what to look at. Like I can can kind of reframe things and i don't need oh i know you know what it is i was i was um like festering over some some kind of exchange with my parents Mm. which really wasn't even so bad it was just kind of loaded for me and then i just was like it's like what am i doing still thinking about that it doesn't matter i already have i've already assessed the situation i don't need to pick a part at it and i can just kind of choose what to focus on right so yeah. thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for yes. Thanks for listening. You know, I, I um, uh, love thinking about those things, and, and I'm always fascinated by how much uh, suffering we inflict on ourselves versus how much is actually being inflicted on us by the universe. It's like I was just thinking about this yesterday. How. Now, this might seem a little weird and heady, but I I think I can articulate in a way that doesn't sound totally crazy. But when you're at the ocean and you watch waves, what you're seeing is an energy moving through water. The water is not what's moving. It's just being pushed by this 
energy, the force of the planet rolling through this massive amount of liquid. So clearly that energy does not stop there. It doesn't stop. It's just you won't you don't see it anymore in the same way. And now maybe you'll see wind or you'll see, you know, the the, um, uh, the shift in, in nature that comes from energy moving through it. But in the same way. There's a subjective energy that rolls through society and manifests in the form of human activity in the same way that waves are a manifestation of uh, kinetic energy rolling mm-hmm. through it. There's like a subjective energy that runs through people and defines your action. So in that way, the more you start realizing that you're very similar to a kind of living coral reef that has holes in it. And the holes are your sensory apparatus, your eyes and your ears your mouth, your asshole, your pussy or your cock. It's all different gates that energy rolls into. And sometimes when this energy rolls into the... So like you could pick up a bad vibe in your urethra. Yeah, fuck yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah, you can. Shit. That's like one of the worst vibes you can get. But but in that same way, like what what ends up happening is, and this is maybe just an esoteric way of saying saying something that could be said more simply, but what ends up happening is you let in some of this external sensory experience into your uh, subjective universe or literally into your biocomputer, and then it, it begins to contaminate and infect the interior of your being. And so that's what produces the recurring thought patterns, which inevitably produce negative activity. Right. So that's how you begin to get influenced by these external waves washing against you, which is why there's this amazing Buddhist Quote, which goes, um, you can't stop the birds from flying around you, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. And so in that that same way, there's always an an ine- Was that a big problem in the past? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible, man. Birds were much faster and more clever back then. And <laughs> more people nimble had, with their nests. And people had much more hair yeah, back like, don't, then. Don't so move. You got a nest in your hair. Afros. Everyone had just afros. <laughs> Afros with annoying birds living in them. And someone finally is like, shit, we don't have to let them go. Right. We, we can't. St- Why are we trying to stop them from flying? Yeah. Let's just focus on the nest that's in our hair. That's it. And, exactly. you know, so that I, I'm, I'm I get fixated on that on that stuff. And uh, and I fail miserably at it all the time because I'm very I, 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 I'm very reactive. And uh, well, yeah, that I was wondering. Well, wait. I have to go back to something first, though. But but remind me that I was wondering. Now, remind me that I was wondering, <laughs> given this sort of uh, in, inspirationalness, which is not a word of your podcast. I'm wondering, like, what your actual day to day mood is. So I want to ask that. But first, I want to go back to when you said this. You said this whole thing might just be an esoteric way of saying something that could be said much in a much more simple way. It made me think of something which I haven't thought about in a long time, but I used to think about all the time, which is, have you ever done that thing where you go on this like very elaborate, deep thought pattern and you come to a realization that feels like the fruit of like a lot of mental energy and then you're like, oh, wait, did everyone else already know this and that's what that dumb cliche was referring to? Do you ever have that? Like, I'll be like, wait, that there's already... A common sense cliche yes. that encapsulates the whole thing. I th- th- this giant thing I just realized, yes. and maybe everyone else already knew that. Yes, it's like a weird kind of deja. It's it's on the order of deja vu, but it's not deja vu. I don't know exactly know how to describe it, but I remember like years and years ago telling a professor of mine 
talking about that experience, and he was saying that David Foster Wallace, are you familiar with? Yes. He's a, a writer who committed suicide, but he was saying that David Foster Wallace had talked about that in maybe Infinite Jest. I'm not sure which novel, but... Well, it's a, it, it's a, it's, it, there's a lot of cool ways that people have come up with for talking about that, which is basically there's a, a term, and I believe it's called katsu, and what that means is... Um, a fleeting glimpse at enlightenment. So, in other words, you have these like, oh, these oh, right, moments, epiphanies, and so they say, okay, well, that's kind of just like a little flicker of what enlightenment is. And enlightenment is another foggy word, but what, the idea is like, you are a state of pure awareness, or another way to put it is, you are already perfect, because there's no time, uh, there's no time, time's a function of uh, our nervous systems putting things in a kind of linear way, but Mm -hmm. the moment your nervous system shuts down, time ceases to exist, and you merge into the infinite. Uh, And there's a lot of other, like the, the, um, the, there's a lot of other ways to put that, but um, one notion that I really like, and, and is that uh, people kind of look at evolution or the force of evolution as being propelled from the back, kind of like a boat with an engine on it or something like something in the in it, it, the way time works is we're sort of rolling from the back into the future. But there's another cool way that this has been described. And Terrence McKenna talks about it in his own way. And this uh, Jesuit named Taylor de Chardon talks about it in another way, which is that there's a point in the future where maximum complexity will perfectly coincide with maximum harmony and that it is a magnetic force that's pulling us into it and that's what the force of evolution is is seeing things go from a simplified state to a super complex harmonious state and we're in the midst of being drawn into this thing so these epiphanies that you have are actually connections with your perfected state of being transcendent to time. And so when you realize there's no time and if you buy the idea that there's some ultimate transcendent perfected state that we're just a sort of rudimentary or sort of a appendage of that's got a bit of amnesia, mm-hmm. then you can begin to open yourself up. To, to realize your true identity, which is what enlightenment really is, is I think enlightenment can be compared to a child who got too caught up in Grand Theft Auto and suddenly is like, oh, this is just a game. I'm not really running around a city jumping into cars. This is I'm just I'm actually in a completely different dimension. I got very absorbed into this thing. So anyway, that thing being life. The life that as our we define life. it, yeah. our life and our identity and our ego right. and everything that you consider you are is uh, has been compared by Ramdas to uh, a, a fancy outfit that you wear. So people have tail feathers, you know, like you go on a date and you're like, you really will throw out tail feathers, you know, depending on where you're at with like the dating scene or meeting people. As you get more wisdom, you're always like, fuck it, I'm just going to be exactly myself to. To try to avoid two years of pseudo happiness followed by like a crash into hell when you're like, you're not the person I met. (laughs) No, I wasn't the person you met. I was throwing up tail feathers to try to seduce you. Right. Which is what so many people do. But those tail feathers are your ego or the things you put out into the world to try to convince people of what you are. Your mask is another way of putting it, right? That's it. Bingo. Your mask. And um, uh, one of my favorite Ram Dass quotes is... uh, 
we're God in drag, is what he says. We're God doing this masquerade, this costume party where we've gotten, we've really become attached to the masks that we're wearing. And, um, but that's certainly not who you are. You know, that's just a temporary, temporary sort of combination of elementary particles meeting a sort of whatever the paradigm you happen to incarnate it into, congealing together to form you as a person. And from that, you decide what to wear and how to walk and how to drive and all that stuff. But if you look at all of time and space, it really is just a temporary pixel in the grand scheme of things. And you are... Now, is that liberating or depressing? And also, you know who's into Ram Dass? Who? Biff Naked. Do you remember who that is? No. (laughs) She was this, like, I'm having trouble remembering myself, like flash in the pan... Uh, tough gal, like pink before pink, but uh, maybe concurrent with uh, pink. Sure. And I remember I wrote an article about her. That's why she's, I, she suddenly came to mind. And I know that she had had some Ram Dass quotes in her liner notes, and she also had two Maltese puppies. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and the other thing, oh, yeah, so all of this, liberating or depressing or both? When I first started reading about this shit many years ago, I found it to be beyond depressing. What was your introduction to all this shit? Uh, when I was a kid, my mom was into this stuff, and I found this... Um, like Buddhism? Is that... No, it, was, or- it started off with this book called Raja Yoga by Yogi Ramacharaka, who turned out to be a fraud. Like It was just a name that an English dude made up <laughs> to seem like a Hindu-like yogi. Right. But the book still contained within it you know the basics of uh yoga the the you know the teaching that a lot of people don't know which is that um yoga means to yolk or to unify in the in the way that you put a i didn't know that yeah a lot of people don't know that it's a they also don't know there's like a lot of different schools of yoga there's not just right. the there's bit like hot gym right well there's the physical yoga uh hatha yoga and but then there's so many other yogas that are are mental or yogas that are all of the yogas are basically the acknowledgement that people have different personality types and there are methods that you can use to try to connect to the greater truth, however you want to call it. And some methods are theistic, some methods are atheistic, uh, but all of them are designed to sort of get you outside your temporary ego or personality structure to merge with uh, the greater part of the universe that you obviously are if you exist in the universe. So this book had like was the first time I'd ever uh, come across the idea, which is is a great, amazing thing when you've never heard it before, which is that the difference between the observer and the observed, Mm -hmm. you know, so like when when people refer to themselves, they might say, I'm hungry. And so but when you're hungry, you think, "Okay, am I hungry? What, what what's hungry? Is it me that's hungry? Because there's an awareness and then there's the hunger or the observer and the observed. This is called the uh, they call it the Atman, which is like the thing watching that you can't see. Kind of like right now, if you try to look at your own face, you can't do it without a mirror. And the mm-hmm. same way there's the observer, which is aware of all the different things swirling through your mind, all your desires, all your guilt. Anything is always just being observed by this thing. And so um, that's the beginning or it was at least the beginning for me of like, holy fucking shit. This, I'm not my thoughts. What am I? What is your, how can I be a thing I observe? You know, what is that? Now it creates a state of temporary dualism, this mode of thinking, which eventually gets. Are you okay? J- just, just to make sure I, I understand. Are you saying that what you think you are feeling, observing, feeling 
feeling twice, you're feeling a lot of it, and then you're also observing it and you're thinking it is actually some something outside kind of looking in and assessing the situation like and and you think you are that but it's it's not that like yeah like- that's a that's definitely a way to put it and in the outside in thing is like um the, i i think they would say well there really is no outside or inside there's just one thing well, who is you then what's that who who is you where are you who is you well that's where we get into like the wonderful fucking all the wonderful different like beautiful puzzles that the different forms of meditation offer us because there's a lot so of that's kind of the question in that observer observed thing. who then, am i right. what am i what is this thing am i just some like meat thing am i just some meat <sighs> thing that wants to eat and fuck and and sleep yeah. and make money is that all i am is that it is that all this is am i a robot that's when you get into like behaviorism bf skinner the idea that like everything's yeah that motherfucker everything's <laughs> predetermined there's no autonomy you're just a sort of a molecular machine rolling towards death it's can perceiving itself as making free decisions, but actually you're just perfectly reacting to your environment based on genetic predispositions. Right. It's a really dark, nihilistic way of looking at things, and it's the way scientists rationalize cutting monkeys' heads open and spraying pert plus in their brain or whatever. Or axe on their balls. Yeah, 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 exactly. But but um, uh, the more you sort of analyze the... Um, um, you, you get into this uh, mode of thinking, the more you will begin to experience a type of freedom from your initial reactions to mood states, which is uh, um, really fantastic to recognize that when, just because you're angry inside doesn't mean that you have to act angry mm-hmm. or just because you're um, right. feelings are not facts. Yes. That's another way of saying it. That's it. But a more prosaic it's a way there's a lot of different ways of saying the exact same thing but you know many and i struggle with that though like i struggle with that i have a lot of and i talk about that on this podcast but i have a lot of trouble my first reaction to a feeling is to question it and to suppress it and to not act on it which then creates this almost cognitive dissonance is is not the right word but um discomfort because I can't actually hide it from someone else. Like, I'm very bad at that. People can tell what's going on with me by just looking at me. I don't have much of a poker face. But I'm I'm not – I'm trying not to express it because I don't want to be an asshole or a jerk or I just don't know. I don't know if I'm in the wrong or – and then it's just like – then I'm just kind of in hell while I'm trying to figure out how to deal with this thing I'm feeling. Yes. Right. And that dissonance, I think it is cognitive dissonance. And I think that when you do that, not as a form of retreat or as a form of cowardice or a form of pseudo pacifism, but when you recognize the anger and you do it as a form of discipline, we're like, okay, I'm fucking pissed right now at this person. But I know that there's no, unless you're in danger, unless the person's coming at you to attack you, in which case anger is a wonderful thing because it'll give you adrenaline and help you fight back. Generally, you can always make some time before you have to react to that anger because you might need to react to the anger. There Mm -hmm. might, it might help you. Well, and that's the flip side is that when I should react to it, it, I'm delayed. Pima Chodron calls it the pause. And it's really cool, which is like, it's, 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 um, one of the most, uh, simple, uh, modes or, or means of uh, 
meditating in, in your life through your actions that I've ever seen. It's very beautiful. And what it is is so we're all addicted to something. We all have some addictive. Well, not all of us, but heroin for me. Heroin. I'm you know I'm into PCP. Yeah. But we're all hooked on something. Actually, I'm hooked on the internet. So um, me too. Twitter. Twitter. So it's this is I think one of the. Uh, um, probably one of the most common addictions existing in our society today. So um, Pima Chodron recommends that what you do is when you have this impulse to check your email or you have this impulse to check your Twitter, your impulse to check CNN or Drudge Report or Reddit or whatever you're into, don't stop doing it. But just next time you have the impulse, wait like five deep breaths. So next time you want to do that, just sit down and breathe five deep times and then go do it if you still want to do it. But what this does is it creates a bit of um, it throws your addictive pattern off enough. Mm -hmm. And if you throw a pattern off enough, then it can actually create an effect where the whole thing falls apart. Right. It's not going to fall apart all at once. I mean, everyone wants to be goddamn enlightened right away or perfect right away or phony holy as Ramdas calls it, which is why it's, it's not about that. It's like it's more about recognizing like oh man i fucking jerk off to gross porn i like to play video games i probably smoke pot too much and i um i can be messy if i don't watch myself and instead of recognizing that stuff and being like okay i'm celibate now i'm stopping smoking pot i'm gonna clean constantly i'm gonna be a greatest person on earth now you're in this false state of like flexing you're you're flexing you're like oh i'm this thing now i'm this thing now i'm this thing now even though the entire momentum of my life is made me a completely different thing <laughs> right i'm this whole new thing this well, is what that's i like am people who find religion yes that's right it's a form of uh it's it's a version of um what it's like it, subverting what you don't like about yourself and just getting new clothes yes and it won't work though the, the thing is it's not gonna fucking work you're gonna hold this posture or this uncomfortable stance for um, a day a month maybe even two two or three years but if you haven't caused a shift in the internal um structure of your psyche then that stance is inevitably gonna fall apart and you're gonna be right back where you started which is fine because we've got a long time we are we are everything and we've been here for infinity so we've there's a plenty of time to go through this series of uh shifts and 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 and, um uh changes and births and deaths that make up uh human life and everything you don't have to be in a big fucking rush. Everyone's in a rush. I'm really impatient. Me too. With myself and with everything. It's an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you if if you're an, and you're addicted to it. You know, people get addicted to impatience. It's a it's a great drug. I mean, you, have you ever gotten addicted to cigarettes? Yeah. So being addicted to cigarettes is great because it teaches you all the other addictions. <laughs> because when you've been hooked on cigarettes, you know the feeling of wanting a cigarette. It's like a weird, like, strange, itchy feeling, right? Yeah. So in the same way, like, if you imagine, like, an, in, what you would be like if you were patient. In other words, if you could just sit down and, like, breathe and just be completely in the moment for a while and not be in a rush. You might find that there's a lot of you that doesn't want to be like that. That mm-hmm. considers that. as like, fuck that. That's boring. That doesn't sound fun at all. I don't want to be like that. You know, so it's almost like you're you're choosing to be impatient because it satisfies an itch inside of you. You know, you you're making this it's a distraction in a way as well. It's a distraction, yeah. It's a distraction, and it's a um, uh, 
it's it's very funny people who are always in a hurry because they're never like what are you really accomplishing yes have you ever seen like a hamster running around a, ha- a habit trail and it gets on the wheel and it runs and then it goes and digs and then it like gathers stuff and it gets right. on the habit trail and runs? I know so many people like that and they really take it seriously, you know, and they will actually put human contact and intimacy underneath accomplishing tasks. Like mm-hmm. to them, the priority is getting shit done and not connecting with people. And it's such a sad cardboard way to live where you're like just always running around at the cost of all human See, I intimacy. think I, I have a, a large dose of that now that I think about it. Um, and it's, it's two things, though. It's one, it's feeling like I don't have enough time to get the things done that I need to do. But it is also probably wanting to avoid some intimacy like I don't like talking on the phone it makes me uncomfortable not always there's exceptions but I'm like Gary I'm fine with talking on the phone with you but Gary knows that I don't like talking on the phone and so he tries to avoid the phone with me but I'm just throwing it out there fine with the phone you're welcome Um, but yeah so it's but, but I think people that are always rushing around I've seen people who almost it's like on purpose they run late so that they can always be rushing Oh, they love it. Yeah. I mean, what a fucking, what a goddamn rush it is to be late for a flight. I mean, it's, it's a great, you're, you get hooked on the adrenaline, just your adrenal glands are going to blast you with like some sweet neurochemicals that are going to induce a kind of like speed state. These people are usually also into cocaine. Like they're the ones who are, uh, they have the tendency to get addicted to cocaine because it like produces that same exhilaration that comes from being on the go. Right. You know, but you know, our, the, the. There's nothing wrong with wanting to get high. There's nothing wrong with wanting to get intoxicated. Intoxication is a delightful state of being. It's just the question you have to ask yourself is, is is there a better intoxication than this? Is there a better feeling that I could have? See, the question I would ask is, what what am I trying to escape? Is that not to you not a germane question? No, I think that's a I think that's a fantastic question to ask yourself. I mean, sure, that's I mean, the um, uh, but it leads you back. It, I mean, it, it leads ultimately to thinking you should just be sober, probably. Oh, being sober. Well, I, I'm saying like if if the question you're asked like. I want to get high. I want to be in an altered state. Yeah. Why? What is it I'm trying to avoid? Is what I would ask. Myself. Well, there's two different there's different means of, of, of using intoxicants. And, and one of the ways of using intoxicants is certainly an escape mechanism. It's like an avoidance mechanism, depending on the drug you're using. You know, if you're into like oxy or you're into uh, any of the narcotics, you're, you're definitely in a mode of uh, escaping uh, the way that you're 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 interfering with the way that you're interfacing with reality, you know, but then there's other drugs uh psilocybin lsd uh mushrooms apparently ayahuasca which i've never done i've never even heard of that ibogaine or, dimethyltryptamine or which you're is making in, them up what are no they? i'm not these are all the these are all the the main uh these are all the psych these are all the psychedelic chemicals uh that what were the last three though uh ibogaine ayahuasca and dmt but dmt is sounds in, sounds like pig latin <laughs> I know it's cool really. names, but they're awesome names anyway. Are those natural, or are they? Is that a chemical that's everything? Made? Ibogaine is a natural, and ayahuasca is a combination of uh, what's called an MAO inhibitor, and uh, uh, I think it's a, 
I, I believe it's a, a it's a bark and a root. I believe okay, and so one it's a plant it, thing. It's a plant. It's it's all plant stuff. So all those things like if you you know even eating marijuana, if you like eat a nice healthy dose of marijuana, try to escape your problems. Like sit down and really try to escape your problems because if there's things you've been ignoring. Generally, they're going to come screaming yeah. through your consciousness like the Grim Reaper just howling at you like, why won't you pay your bills, clean your house, get in shape, you don't have to be sick. There's a spanking element involved in psychedelics where they will uh, discipline you if you haven't been staying uh, on the level. And But, but – there's no perfect drug and continued use of any it can start off as a kind of self-exploration and you can end up going back and back and back and back to the experience to try to avoid having real action in your life so yeah that's an escape mechanism or as alan watts says once you get the message hang up the phone (laughs) (laughs) you know i've spent not not regarding uh substances although a little bit but i feel like i've just spent my whole life just holding the phone still being like, hello? Hello? <laughs> Can you say that again? Hello? Like, I never get the message. Uh, or rarely. Well, you do. I mean, the, it just I, takes a while. Part of the joy of this whole thing is that um, it may be that you have gotten the message, but it also may be that you don't feel like responding to it because you're enjoying your life right now. With all the stress and anxiety and hurry and the way you might be beating yourself up over this or that, at the root of who you are, you might find that you're really enjoying this incarnation and that you don't really feel like, you know, um, uh, necessarily like going this way or that way to try to change things. And that's where it gets fucking crazy because that is is enlightenment that's the idea the idea isn't like everyone wants to change i'm gonna change i'm gonna lose weight gain weight you know uh i'm gonna i'm gonna become a better person i'm gonna memorize poetry and learn another language and all this nonsense when it's like the real thing is just to be yeah you just to be in this moment because what an incredible moment it is it's the most insane thing ever we're at the very crest of the wave of time we are uh composed of dna that stretches back at least two hundred thousand years that trails its way all the way through time through the uh middle ages through every single moment in human history your dna is connected like a crazy snake going all the way back through time punctuated by orgasm after orgasm after orgasm which has led you to this moment it's fucking incredible man it's an incredible thing and it's rather than beating yourself up and being this kind of drill sergeant that's marching around your head like some full metal jacket barracks or platoon always like you're either too busy or you're not busy enough you're either you know what i mean you're either you're either uh uh, spending too much time uh, with a boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, you're, you've become a cold alien thing. You're always beating yourself up. Yeah. Instead of doing that, just kind of let, let what's happening happen and then that can result in novelty if nothing else. Well, so something that happened to me recently and I think it's not a drill sergeant in my head but it might be Miss Hannigan from Annie. Oh, yes, she's, she's a bitch, yes. you know. Um, Make these floors shine. It's a really, yeah. Um, <laughs> I do love Carol Burnett, but oh. I didn't like that. I didn't, you know. I saw Annie when I was too young, and not too young. I mean, I was probably the right age, but I didn't find her. I just thought she was mean 
in that role, you know. She was. Yeah, so that was the point. Well, so anyway, um, okay, so I just moved in with my boyfriend. Yes. And the very first night, it was like this hellacious, really long move. And I was really, I was stressed and there was just a lot going on in my head. There were other things I was worried about. And in addition to everything being in boxes everywhere and um, my old apartment, like stuff still is, or at the time was still there. So I wasn't fully moved out. And I just, in no way was I like, oh good, I'm in the new place. Like the first night I was so tired so physically tired from because we're because we had to carry a lot of stuff up steps. Yes. Um, anyway, though, but I felt like it's the first night in the new place. I should want to be intimate. Oh, yeah. Because it's, you know, like, I feel like almost like a wedding, not like Chris really in like the a, new place. Yeah, sort of. I, I wasn't thinking that. We've done it, honey. It's because in every movie, when the couple moves into the new place, they always fuck on the floor or on the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we were just in a bed, but I really, but like it was, I felt like I should want to do that, but it it was not at all on the list of things I wanted to do. Like I was so just not in that place at all, no. but I sort of made myself kind of mess around a little um, because I just, because to me it was like, if I don't, what does that mean? Maybe it means there's a problem here. Like that was my thought pattern. Even though I don't think there is. And then the next day, I was thinking about it, and I felt just angry. Like, the the feeling was I wanted to just, like, like, throw something across the room. I felt so angry at what had happened. And even though... Even why, do, though why were you angry? You felt angry because you did or because you didn't? Because I did and I didn't want to. Okay. Um, and... I realized I have to just, like, for lack of a better word, sort of honor what I'm feeling because if I don't, then I'll be angry. And I'm not actually mad at him, not on any intellectual level. You know, he in no way did he, like, uh, actually violate me. You know, and, and now I, I, I... He manipulated you or something. Like, he wanted to have sex and you didn't want to have sex. It's a little classic thing. We just moved in. I want to have sex. You don't feel like it, but you don't want to be rude because it's some special night, theoretically. And every movie that you've ever seen has mm-hmm. imprinted your brain with the yeah. idea that a happy couple fucks when they move into a place. It's in every movie. If a couple yeah. moves into a place, If you don't, then what fuck. does that mean? That's what I was... Like, if... if... It means that you, you're tired. Yes. But I, for some reason... Like, and he... I guess this is what I'm saying. He wasn't pressuring me at all i was pressuring me and that's what i was mad about or i just felt like really just agitated and just like it was just it it was such a raw emotion that i couldn't even i couldn't even figure it out i was just like oh i just that's how i felt um and then you know he, he was like could tell something was bothering me even though i didn't think it was that that he was picking up on i thought it was other stuff and then we we had a long talk about it and he was i mean so understanding and really and kind of saying that you know if i don't tell him what's going on in a way that's kind of disrespecting him because that's acting like all he cares about is having sex as opposed to caring about what i'm actually thinking or feeling so now i feel much better about it and i and we also talked about like if i if if i'm so tired that i don't feel like it like that doesn't really necessarily mean anything other than i'm tired but that whole thing is 
Um, I brought that up because it related to something, which is, well, oh, yeah, which is like having a strong feeling and just not knowing what the hell to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's look, it's it's a I mean, this is a on one level of reality, which is especially when you're on in the mind level. Whoa, stuff gets so fucking complex, I man. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing how because sex is really the most visceral non-thinking act that there is. But not like, when I have it. What's that? <laughs> well, not when I have it. I know. Me, I'm the same way. I'll totally get in my head when I'm having oh. sex. And 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 that is a um uh that that see that's where you realize like balance is so important because men like people like us, uh, I think we're probably similar in a lot of ways. We we spend a lot of times a lot of time analyzing things in our head. Yes. And and so uh and which is really interesting because uh it's a way to to stay safe, but, I think. It's a compulsion to analyze. The Egyptians apparently used to think that the, the thinking was done in the heart, that the brain was in the heart. And that's really cool when you consider that because that means that they were going more off of this deeper – Yeah, like a gut intellect. A, a gut intellect instead of this like and, – and also a lot of people were theorized that uh, human brains have been developing in, a, in, in, in like a surprisingly fast way and that – the neocortex is a relatively new thing and is even now still growing. And so the, the crazy, uh, endless, repetitive thoughts that loop around most humans' brains are just a result of a rapidly expand, expanding neocortex. It's like something that's relatively mm-hmm. new. But anyway, the so from, you know, beginning a spiritual practice or uh, a, a discipline, the idea is to start instead of being a instead of always getting pulled into the eddies that happen in your thoughts you begin to gain some autonomy and if you want to move down into your body you can you can do that instead of just being up in your head you can control where your focus goes this is coming from me ps highly theoretical i've read it have not experienced it but i have experienced a little bit of relief from being completely caught up in my thoughts but i certainly what's that how have you you do it requires daily meditation you know it's like anything else like working out doing low carb it's like any other thing you've got to start like meditating every day and then at least you know and so frustrating these sons of bitches like i know some people who are work for amdas's foundation and they're some of the most enlightened beings i've ever come across and they are hilarious because you'll ask them a question and they'll be like i don't know and then they'll say don't meditate like you're like what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. You now know? you tell me. Yeah, no, I don't meditate. It's so funny the way they are. But you know, their their, their guru uh, Maharaji, as they call him, Neem Kerali Baba. He was like, he kind of thought it was funny that all these people were coming over from the West and meditating, and 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 he would at, you know say, oh, have you been meditating? Oh, you've been meditating. Wow. Like talking to in kids. In a condescending way? I, I made it sound condescending, but it was more of like the thing is so much bigger than even meditation. Right. That the moment you start doing this thing that I do, because you begin to apply the same uh, ideas you've learned about success in, the, in, in, in society or in the marketplace to success in spirituality. So you're now you're right. like, I'm going to meditate hard right. today. Yeah. Like I used to meditate in 10 minutes. I think I can do it in five. Yes. Like that. That's it. So now you start applying those same crazy uh, accomplishment ideas to something which is not anything. 
which is not anything. It's beyond conceptualization, and it's uh, delightful in in that it's beyond conceptualization because that makes it supreme novelty, you know. But it's uh, again, it's it's. I think, regardless of what any motherfucker says, I do think there's something to be said for a disciplined spiritual practice if you can do it every day meditating. And you do that. Do you yeah. do it in the morning? I do it in the morning, and when I'm really being good at night too. Morning and night, I chant, but. I haven't done it for like five days. Why? I don't know. I ordered all this marijuana and like just started eating edibles and like getting really high every day. And then it, and now it's like, what are you doing? Like what? Like it's such a it's such an easy thing to get pulled away from the uh, from the discipline itself, you know. But I I did start uh, chanting again today, and I'll. But that's always my cycle. My cycle is always one of like gaining some kind of like temporary discipline and like really getting my shit together and getting focused and then the whole thing sort of combusts the moment i run into something that is gratifies my senses in an extreme way whether Mm -hmm. it's a girlfriend whether it's a drug a video game whatever i'll always find myself shipwrecked on some island trying to pretend that the island i'm shipwrecked on is paradise (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, no, this is great. No, yeah. this is what life's all about. It's getting high and playing Borderlands 2. Whoa, <laughs> this is great. But really, you know, no, this is just a temporary distraction. But you must allow yourself those moments. You know, yeah. if you're going to fucking do it, if you're going to have a boyfriend and be in a relationship, if you're going to have a girlfriend and be in a relationship, if you're going to play video games, if you're going to shoot heroin, if you're going to do whatever the sense gratification is during the state of doing it, allow yourself to be purely in it. Yeah. At least do that if you can. Because if you're going to spend every single – if you've created this idea of reality where here's where I'm good and here's where I'm bad. Now I'm a good person. Now I'm a bad person. Now I'm a good person. Now I'm – you've created this terrible – You've you've basically segmented yourself up into this kind of scarlet letter style Nathaniel Hawthorne centipede <laughs> where certain segments of your life are great and certain segments are bad. Right. And the idea is get rid of those fucking like today segments. Today was a really Hester day. What's that? Today was a really Hester Prynne day. Hester day. <laughs> oh, Hester day. What'd you do Hester day? <laughs> Hester day. Yeah. See, that's the thing. People are caught people are living a lot of Hester days cuz <laughs> You know what I mean? They're guilty about the past. That's when you're guilty about yeah. the past. You're thinking about yesterday. Right. And when you're worried about the future, I don't know what that is. But the, the idea is it's, it's like you're not going to be perfect all the time. And if you're going to, if you're going to like, don't pretend that you are. Oh, there's nothing worse than someone prancing around like there's some goddamn saint. And it's like, I know that you're not. I yeah. know you're not like that. You just have to be very honest with yourself and with everyone around you. Now, you used to go out with Natasha Legero. Yes, I did. For how many years? I think it was about five years. Did you guys sit around and talk about deep stuff all the time? Yeah, we did. She's really smart. So we would, um, uh, yeah, we would have very deep philosophical conversations um, a bunch. Yeah, it was great. How come you guys broke up, if I may ask? Well, I was like, um, at the the time, I um, uh, was completely living off of her like she was paying for every i mean i was making some money but i didn't have a a, we had that podcast but it it, it hadn't like really reached a successful place and i would get like writing jobs and stuff 
and I would go on the road and do stand-up. But I was definitely not making enough money to pull my own weight in that relationship. And which I think is a manageable thing if you're actually going for it. You know, like if you're not making a lot of money and you're in a relationship and someone's making more, but you're making active efforts to try to achieve a state of balancing out the relationship financially, then that's great. And, Mm -hmm. and you should, you should support a person who's obviously working their ass off to try to like help, you know, grow crops and whatever life farm that you're making. But I got lazy and was was like uh, playing like video games all the time and was just kind of taking her for granted and um, not kind of I was taking her for granted and like it just that co- it put such a strain on the relationship that it just imploded and um, and we broke up when we should have like that's not a good relationship it's an enabling re- kind of inadvertently enabling i mean she like i would love to have another mythology about it and be like she got she got super successful and i'm not good enough for her anymore but that's just not it at all she's like a very sweet generous person and i like at the time i just i don't think that i was like really I, i i think that i didn't have the discipline that's necessary to maintain a relationship at the five year mark because that's a i mean that that's pretty much you're either going to like get married and be a man and fucking take care of shit or you're going to, you know, be a, you know, a man child and just sort of piddle around until the thing collapses, which is what I did. And because of that, it taught me a lot about. Do you, did you sabotage it? Yeah, I, I definitely I don't know if it was if I actively sabotage it. But I mean, I think that it it was kind of like you want to. It's fun to believe that. Um, it's like it's fun to believe that there aren't when I say this it makes me sound like a disciplining parent but there are consequences (laughs) for actions in this world and I think the older you get the more clear those consequences become and you don't want to accept that but it's a fantastic lesson tragedy and catastrophe is one of the first manifestations of the guru in a disembodied state where the force of the universe comes to you and says look it's real man right like look this this is you the meaning to crisis you lose stuff like you lose a life like you lose a life if you don't focus and work hard and really try to interface with with the universe in a passionate way you will lose everything around you and that was like my first real experience with that level of it and it was one of the greatest lessons ever and like since then i like buckled down and started like focusing and working hard and um started my own podcast and really started taking my comedy seriously and you know sadly because of that tragedy it like propelled me into a place of success but it sucks the way I got there was from disaster, you know? I feel bad about that. Are you guys friends now? No, I fucking hate her. <laughs> no, we're friends. I mean, we're, we, we, we're, uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely friends. Like, as, as friendly as you can be when you've, like, you know, I think, I, I mean, I certainly hope that after a certain amount of time passes, like, we'll be able to be, like, authentic friends mm-hmm. again because she's fucking cool and, like, I, like, uh, um, she's so fun to like hang out with, but 
uh, I think it, it takes time. You know, we did a podcast together um, fairly soon after breaking up, and and I uh, I um made a point in the beginning of this kind of naive thing where I was like, uh, you can be friends with your exes. You don't have to be their enemies anymore. And, you, and and that was a premature thing to say because it really is a tricky thing once you've um, uh, lived with someone and been intimate with someone for a long time. It really is a tricky thing to yeah. sort of... It's like you have to let the uh, the wound heal Yeah, because it's so easy to... I don't know, slip back, or even if that's not on the table, it's so easy to just push each other's buttons or for things to just go awry, I think. And actually, I heard that that episode, and it was just so interesting to hear the way you guys were not not quite communicating on the same level, if that makes sense, in certain areas, like where, where someone would get defensive and be like, but that's not what I meant. And I could hear why... Someone was hearing it a certain way, and I could also hear how – actually, it was like I could hear why she thought you were saying a certain something or being judgmental, but I could also hear how you really meant it. And uh, It's the worst, isn't it? It's like this is why I look forward to what I think is right around the corner, which is a neurological interface that will allow two people, instead of having to articulate their experience of the universe through language or the clicks and grunts that come out of the end of your feeding tube, which is such a primitive way to describe life, some neurological, technologically enhanced interface that allows us to feel what the yeah. other person is feeling. It's very the, science fiction. Oh, but it's coming. It's going to happen. And the moment that happens, I think it's going to uh, – human relationships are going to become so much more loving because we get so caught up in the symbols that we use to describe the way we feel that we actually lose track of the way we feel. Well, yeah, you have said um, – and I actually jotted this down. You said that uh, what you say is less important than what you're feeling when you say it. It's what's between the lines. It's and you know, man, when you're like when you're okay, comedians will start jabbing at each other for fun. Starts off as fun, for authentic fun, right? But all of a sudden, someone will say just the right thing that gets under your skin, and now you feel that burst of anger, and you'll do another joke back. But you know, underneath it, it's no longer affable. You right. know, underneath it, now you've got your claws right, out, right? And that will cause the person to react in a completely different way than if your claws aren't out, and so. Um, in the same, you know, in the same light, if you're on uh, ecstasy, for example, and you're talking to people, or depending on how you are, as long as you're not grinding your teeth, your eyes aren't rolling back in your head, y- there's a connection that happens because you're feeling this crazy state of like love, and people respond to love. People, I've just read this great quote: if you if you truly love something, it will tell you all its secrets. And it's so true. Like if you really love – if you can like feel love, it doesn't matter what you're saying because behind it is just this sense of like wanting t- connection and like um, true affection for a person. So it seems that the there is a, a distinct advantage to somehow um, bringing yourself into that kind of – emotional state as much as possible but and this is like a very uh i'm taking this in a very cynical or dark direction but do you think that there are people who can sort of fake that for lack of a better word and let me explain what i mean there are certain people that you'll meet where you're just like oh my god i just feel better being near them when they say my name and smile they make such they make eye contact and i just feel yeah okay he's one 
Well, ex- well, hang on. Let's decide if he's wet or not. I just feel better being around him. And these, like in in the high school boy form, every girl likes that guy, um, or in high school that is. Um, you know, they, these people can be so seductive because you're just like whatever it is that you are peddling. Like I want to be around it, and you think that you're as special to them as I. I sound bitter saying this, but it's actually not coming from any bitter place. You think you're as special to them as they suddenly are to you, and then you realize no, they just they make everyone feel this way. They yeah. are just like they're like um, they're like babies in adult form, and they're act- they can actually be very emotionally irresponsible. Interesting. Yeah. I, well, you get attached to love. Yeah. But is it their fault? I mean, it, well, right. No, no, not really. But I guess. What am I saying? Like, you'll tell them all your secrets, but they don't. They are. I don't think they really love you in that way. You know, I like yeah, I know what you mean. And, and uh, you know, I, I actually heard a description of Stanley Kubrick and they said that he would develop this intimate relationship with the people in his movies and the whole time he was just manipulating them to try to get what he wanted out of them. And then the moment the movie was done, he never talked to them again. Right. And so, yeah, that sucks. That's like a, you know, that is a manipulation. But it might not even be that calculated. Like, haven't you ever, I mean, this might, haven't you ever met a woman where you thought, well, it's it's more, it more, it goes the other way gender wise. But perhaps you've met a woman and you thought something really special was starting. Yes. And then you realize, No. I totally misread that situation. Have you yeah. had that happen yes. to you? Um, and what do you think was going on in that dynamic where you misread it? Well, I was getting attached. I mean, I was trying to create a an attachment mechanism to, to lock down someone. Like, someone was making me feel great. It's like, and I wanted to, like, automatically start building a fucking net around the thing that was making me feel great. And uh, do you feel like she was leading you on, or do you feel like you misread it? I think... If she or was neither. making, if she was inducing in me a really great feeling about myself, I don't think leading me on is the right word for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, what's that fucking Neil Young song? Love is a rose, but you better not pick it. It only grows when it's on the vine. Handful of thorns and you've known and you know you've missed it. Lose your love when you say the word mine. Mm, it's yeah. great. And it's like it, it's it, and it, but we have this, you know, love is such a wonderful feeling that. Uh, because we've been taught to live in a world where there are limited resources, we apply that same idea to love. And so we were like, we want to put it in a cupboard, put a barbed wire fence around it, domesticate it, try to reproduce it if we can, but mainly we want to control and manage it. And that attitude is the opposite of what it is. Because it's a wild thing. It's fucking wild. It's a wild beautiful thing that will not be tamed and uh the 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 trying to tame it is just similar to dashing yourself on rocks it just doesn't work and but getting to that state of non-attachment when you're in the presence of it is this is fucking hard man yeah you know i mean i remember years ago thinking but if I'm feeling it. How could they not be feeling it? Like I assumed that there was something um, immutable about feeling. And once I realized many years later, no, it's sort of like if two people go to a restaurant, one person could like the spaghetti and the other one could think this 
is not good. Yeah. And like, or you could look at a color, and one person likes that color, and another one doesn't. Um, there's there's nothing about that reality that is necessarily going to be shared. The people are not going to be perceiving right. that because that that wonderful experience for you, it might be, you know, based on what you're bringing to it, like this was exactly what you were looking for, but that might not have the same meaning to them. And right. once I realized that, like that was a very liberating realization that, oh, it's not, it, it just, it's just, that's just how people are. Like you, you can be feeling something and the other one might not be. Hopefully they're not lying to you about what you're, you know, hopefully you guys are communicating and yes. that's, that's where you have to communicate. But, and I brought that up because you were talking about when we get to the state where you could just feel what someone else is feeling. Uh, um, the, 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 we might all be walking around being like, that's what you were feeling. Well, well, think of the terrible responsibility that you've placed on a person if you have made them responsible for your experience of love. Yeah. You've basically turned that person into God. It's not a fair place to be. It's so, but, but when you're feeling love, um, I think it may be more in the same way that like when you're in a, in a, uh, dark room, your eyes will dilate to take in more light. I think some people can produce a state of uh, openness inside of you. They can, or they call the heart shock, or they can start opening up that place inside of you. And so when that's happening, it's not that they're, they may have induced it initially, but it's important to realize that this is something that's inside of you all the time. And this is where you get into like the idea in bhakti yoga, which is the yoga of love, which is the idea that everything's God. You're God. I'm God. This table is God. This studio is a manifestation of God. The whole thing is this manifestation of this supreme perfection that is very, very, very in love with you. And the moment you start realizing that, you begin to shift your attachment from uh, individual portions of the creation to the creation as a whole. And that creates this kind of state of like bliss um, Mm -hmm. where you're, you're no longer, you're no longer uh, trying to turn someone into the lever that the mouse pushes to make the crack come out. Cause that sucks. Nobody wants to be that lever. Oh yeah. And it'll push the lever away. (laughs) If, if you sense that the person has given you that much power over them. But I remember years ago, I, um, there was this guy that I really liked and he was coming to town and he had called me and like, let's say it it was a Tuesday and I knew that I was going to be hanging out with him on Wednesday. And suddenly I went from being just feeling kind of, however I felt before, not, not great, but not sad, but just kind of, you know, just regular to like, I was so excited and all of a sudden the world had hope and, and, and beauty yes. and just every, it was like someone had sprinkled like dust, yeah. fairy dust or something, or it was like Christmas was the next day or it was yeah. all those things. And by the way, I, I say this with the uh, caveat that this is back in the days of like m- very uh, kind of unhealthy relationships. So I, that's not how I would approach things now, but this is a long time ago. And, um, and then I realized, but wait, nothing actually has changed about today. Tuesday that has gone from being just another Tuesday to like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Ah, you know, like untouchable. Yeah. I'm, can, nothing can put, can get rid of this great mood I'm suddenly in. I realized, but there's nothing manifest that is different about it. So maybe I could just remember how this feels and just start like feeling it when I want on my own. Yes. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. That, see, right there, that 
is the beginning of it all because there's theoretically and I've met people and I I 100% believe that they've gotten very close to that state you can really be in that state and strangely and here's what they say that is your natural state right. that is who you are you're constantly in a state of bliss love and joy you're always there but this has been obscured uh by um uh like like uh dust on the lens of a light mm-hmm. it's been obscured and every once in a while that dust gets cleared off and the light shines out and the light is what light makes everything bright it's not like the stuff is glowing from inside itself. It's like what you're seeing is the beauty of your being reflected in everything around you because that's really what you are. Right. And that's why when I say it's not that you should – it's not that intoxication it's bad. It's that a lot – most forms of human intoxication are limited and there's ways to experience like what's considered to be the ultimate high, which is a state of – Bliss constant connection and bliss who knows though it could be all a myth but man i swear (laughs) to god i've talked to these people i've met them and they are not faking it like it is not fake like that through their spiritual Mm -hmm. practice they've achieved a state that is very beautiful and loving and sweet and makes you want to be around them all the time and also helps you evolve it it, just being around someone who's Mm -hmm. like you know like right now being an adam carolla's studio here and having my own podcast and being in like the mothership of podcasts where I see like how far someone can go with a podcast. It's inspiring to me. It's like, holy shit, man, this is re- it makes me happy to think like, wow, this is where it can go. That's exciting. In the same way, when you're around someone who's like spent a life meditating or even hasn't yet is still stumbled upon this truth. Fuck. It really lights you up and mm-hmm. gives you the sense of like, wow. Well, see, that in a way, that's kind of that's a bit of what I get from listening to your podcast. These reminders that there's this other way to be. Well, yeah, and 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 and, and I, you know, this like, I, I don't I don't think and in the podcast I, I try to be very honest about where I'm at as a person as opposed to what these ideas are because many of these ideas that I'm saying I'm I've taken from. Um, spending a lot of time reading this stuff and being uh, you know into it since I was a kid but and I have had success with it but um the six and success is such a dumb word to apply to it but um I think that it's a worthwhile thing to spend your time thinking and talking about and and uh from talking about it with other people, it definitely like helps. It it helps me too, because it helps work out the ideas. It's a dialogue, you know. You want to get in the conversation. That's the that's all. Just get in the conversation. You don't have to. You don't have. You can be the laziest, filthiest, angriest, craziest, saddest person ever, and that does not mean that you can't start meditating or start contemplating these ideas you know does that Mm -hmm. make sense yeah i guess what i'm saying is i've been around people who have um a few times in my life who've spent a long time meditating and they radiate some something and i and it's the same kind of thing in every single one of them that i've ever met i do not radiate that fucking thing but because of being around them it's definitely inspired me to investigate it yeah you know it's made it my number one interest 
Because, I mean, no money can't buy that. Like, no matter how much fucking success you get, you cannot purchase that glow. It's bi- Which means it's bigger than money. It's bigger than wealth. It's bigger than success. It's bigger than anything. It's the ultimate thing. And if you have it, then all the money and wealth and success or all the tragedy and chaos and catastrophe becomes irrelevant mm-hmm. because you've obtained this beautiful state. And if that state's real, it's kind of like in the in the, way back when, when people started thinking that there might be North America in Europe, there might be this other continent, you know, and people started coming back and saying, yeah, it's fucking there. It's there, man. And it's filled with gold. <laughs> if you hear that in the same way, if you hear that there is this state, a transcendent state of consciousness that is accessible to any human being right now that will make it so that you're walking around in the state of deep and profound love that generally you've only experienced in relation to the person that you've met in your life that only happens a few times, then you should explore that and see if it's real. And if it isn't, then stop the exploration. But my investigation into the thing has shown me that definitely disciplined meditation will elevate my mood state in a way that I stop being a blathering cunt. And that's, <laughs> is that your? Is that what you tend towards? Oh yeah, like I just was like, I was as an example. I was at a hotel recently, and I um, this is so embarrassing to say. But I'm just gonna say it. Please. Ugh, I was at a hotel and. I locked my key in the room. And because I was on the road, the, they'd put my na- their name on the room. So I went down and didn't have my ID. I'm like, hey, I locked myself out. Can I get another key? Here's my ID. They're like, well, your name's not in the room. We can't let you in. And I'm like, man, do you think that I just wandered in off the street and made up a random room number that I'm hoping you'll let me into? <laughs> I mean, like, I can show you my stuff in there. I can prove that it's mine. It's like, sorry, sir. It's policy. It's like... 2 a.m. I'm so fucking tired, a little drunk, and I just came out of me. I said, you're a fucking cocksucker <laughs> to this guy, to a man who's just doing his job. Right. But it came out of me, the anger, the vi- the venom, whatever's inside of me, the darkness yeah. shot out of me for a second, and boom. Now I've created reaction. Now I've created the security guards looking over there. The guy might call the cops now. I've created a miserable condition for myself by not being in control of my um, actions and by being too attached to the way I felt, which was just some kind of outrage over the fact that this guy's doing his job. So that's in me. And um, that comes out sometimes, which is why uh, you know how people be like, I don't like to go to church because the people there are dicks. And it's like, yeah, in the same way that people in the emergency room have cuts and are sick. Like most people who come to a spiritual practice, they're not coming to the spiritual practice because they're already happy. Right. Yeah. They're coming there because it's like, fuck, I don't want to be a venomous snake. I don't want to. Like there's a bunch of drunks in AA. Yes, exactly. I don't like going to AA because there's all these fucking <laughs> alcoholics. Wait, so what happened with the room? How'd you get in? I got in because I got the person was in a different room and I got them to come down. Oh. And I, prof- you know, I apologize. Like I got, to, I got back to my room. I called him. I'm like, I am so sorry. And he was cool, but still, it doesn't matter. I still, I still was reactive, and and I was reactive in a in a vicious and 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 gross way. And 
that you know that's all we can do in those situations is you can't like you sh- you're not going to get anything more out of it by beating yourself up but it definitely shows me where there's work to be done yeah it definitely shows me that you know i i should have no illusion about where i'm at because there's some cocksucker living in me <laughs> all right well with that said i think it's time for some just me or everyone sometimes i ponder on All right. Um, F This Ish says, is it just me that wonders whether the bottom of my belly button? Needless to say, I shop in the husky section. (laughs) Now, does he mean like, does he mean the lint that lives there or what specifically is he talking about? Or does he mean below? He doesn't mean below. He means inside. Well, he's heavy. Right. But see, you know what's throwing me is bottom. I would say like the what's inside my belly button. I can understand that, but what is he considering the bottom? And by the way, on the Adam Carolla show yesterday, I, I must admit we were talking about something being under a tree. We yes. were talking about song lyrics where someone hit a diary under a tree. And for like the first three minutes or something, my brain was imagining under the ground under the tree. I don't know why I complicated it. Gary's looking at me like I'm, I'm an idiot. No, that thinking, makes sense. Yeah, but they just meant like under the shade of the tree. But instead, I was being super literal and I was like, why would someone – like how would you even get under the roots of the tree? No, I, when I, you said that, I pictured like a pirate bearing his dumb diary or whatever. Right. Thank you. All right. Glad that I'm not the only one. You're that not is not a just me. So anyway, do you wonder what's at the bottom of your belly button? What is – I know it's confusing what he means by that. We're going to need more clarification. This is, a, this is a heavy person. Yes. So heavy people, they get stuff caught under the folds of their fat. Oh, is that what he means? Well, yeah, because he's saying like because he's heavy, like he oh. can't explore his belly button as easily as it is for maybe people who are not in such big bodies. So right. he might have like... Um, Dummy bears? Or a, or Fruit a, a kitten could have died in there. It could <laughs> oh, be like geez. a decomposing kitten. I heard about this happening where... Um, a, a woman went to the doctor and in one of the folds of her fat was a, a moldering kitten carcass that had gotten trapped in there and died. So he's probably wondering. It's apocryphal. It could be something. It could be like you, when you're heavy, man. I mean, it's like stuff gets in there. Stuff gets in deep. All right. So it's not just you. but it's Now everyone's wondering what's I know. at the bottom of your belly button. Okay. Baudoir bit. Babe says, whenever I see someone take a hit of weed on TV or in a movie, I unconsciously hold my breath as well. We just had um, recently someone wrote in and said in a movie when people are underwater, they hold their breath. Uh, I don't think I do that. Although if someone is laughing on TV or they're upset, I will smile or I will kind of frown like to mirror their image as if I'm talking to them. Yes. Um, Because I am a super deep empathetic person or I forget what reality (laughs) is and what fiction is. Do you do this? Do you hold your breath? Nope. Okay. Gary? Nope. All right. Um, Let's see. Ask Please says, I get self-conscious when eating food in my car at stoplights. I feel like the strangers waiting next to me are judging. Um, I rarely eat in my car, so I don't have that. And I also don't, I don't think I would though, because I tend to think of my car as like invisible, even though it's so not. Right. Yeah. I think it depends on the food. Yeah. What would be an embarrassing thing to eat? Human hand. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Or what else? Like lick a stick? 
pixie well, sticks. I think pixie sticks are okay. People aren't really going to know what it is. But right, right. I think like a, might, yeah. a big old slice of pizza, like yes. you're at a stoplight chomping right. on your pepperoni pie. Then you're gonna look like a or dick. Even a submarine sandwich or something like that. Oh, a big old sub, yeah. and you're trying to like it's like bumping against the windshield. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You should give self con. I mean, you probably shouldn't be eating and driving anyway. Right, Gary. Yeah, I definitely don't eat and drive, so this doesn't apply to me. But I think that the person's name is Ask P Liz. Oh. So, uh, shout out to P. Liz. Hi, P. Liz. Okay, Maureen. By the way, P. Liz is going to really be self-conscious eating when there's a feeding tube going into her mouth because she's a paraplegic and wasn't paying attention when she was chomping on her burger in rush hour and gotten a T-bone because she ran a light. So, yes, don't eat and drive, folks. Well, maybe she's just kills enjoying m- Eating and driving kills 20,000 people a year. Really? Uh, no, I don't know. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know. Maureen Burke says, I think that meteors, hawks, and dragonflies are my dad saying hi from heaven. I chose that one, uh, Duncan, because I wanted to know what you thought of that. First of all, I want to know where she fucking lives. It sounds like she yeah, lives in the greatest place. Like all these meteors and hawks and dragonflies. <laughs> You're right. That's amazing. That's like where she lives. She lives in a wardrobe somewhere, I guess. I <laughs> know. All these pans, I think all these pans playing their flute are. I, 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 um, She's in Fantasia. Listen, I think it's sweet as hell. I think it's a beautiful way to think that your dad is communicating with you, and, and I think that if you're, it's it's interesting to consider the mechanism of control. Like, does her dad have like a control room in heaven where he like he's like presses I'm, a button, hawks. send a meteor? <laughs> okay, I must say I like the imagery of it, but hawks and dragonflies. Hawks are very vicious beings, yeah. you know. But the Me- dragonflies, meteors, hawks, and dragonflies. It sounds like a lyric. A lyric, yeah. Like I feel like rainbows. People usually go with rainbows more often if you're going to see a sign. I just think God's an asshole that the only way he lets dead people communicate with living people is through natural events. Like what about Katrina? A fucking telegram. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Instead right. of sending hey, a send hawk, a text message. Yeah. Yeah. If you're if you have if you can control hawks and falling star particulates, can you not send a text, Dad? Yeah. Because okay. we transform human society by knowing that you're in heaven. Yeah. All right. Um, Al Val says, when I don't know the words to a song, I either make them up or just say the words that don't exist to the music of the song. Oh, yes. Yes. I just spoke about this actually recently. Um, I had uh, Here We Go Again stuck in my head, but I had um, Here here or here I Go Again, Here I Go Again on my own, like a Twizzler I Was Born to Walk Alone. Not the Ooh. lyric. I Better than any I know, lyric. Yeah. And then some, I, uh, this is, this is God, a retread. I love that. Like a Twizzler I, I was, was born, born to walk to, That creates It was like this, so stuck in my head too. I just, that created the most amazing image of like, you know, in the Hulk where, did you ever watch the Hulk TV show? It oh, was, yeah. He's a, this loner was who's little. a hitchhiker, but it just created this idea of like a Twizzler Carrying at a sunset yeah. with a backpack, <laughs> like walking down some lonely highway. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And evidently, when I was like three or something, I was quietly singing to myself, Edelweiss. And I was like, Edelweiss, Edelweiss, you belong at Jemco. <laughs> What's Jemco? I don't know. It must have been some store from way back when. And my parents <laughs> thought, she's, she's around commercials way too much. Um, oh, yeah. And then someone t- uh, 
tweeted me that my theme song they had stuck in their head is Allison Rosen, Scooby Dooby Doo, do that dance again, which I think is amazing. Those are not the lyrics, but that is a great. Li- those are great. I know. Okay, uh, too much Dutch. I won't drink uh, the last splash of coffee in my cup for some reason. This isn't the case with any other beverage. I drink the last splash of coffee in mine, so that's just you, as far as I'm concerned. I don't same. think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I just drink it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what's the. But I still always think to my not with coffee, but when I see someone drinking like the last sip of soda, I that childhood thing ninety percent backwash. I do that with beer. You think ninety percent no, backwash? I won't drink like the last splash in like a beer because it's usually kind of gross. Hmm. It is warm. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You're no matter what, you're swallowing your spit. You know, like it's gonna go down your throat no matter what. If it's in your beer or in your mouth, right. might as well drink it. Right. Yeah, I feel like once the spit has left you, though, it doesn't need to come back. I mean, this is a curious thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the. I'm not a scientist, <laughs> but I, I don't. I mean, yeah, I guess like the idea is that your spit leaves your mouth and suddenly it becomes infested with bacteria. Yeah. Even though your mouth is like open, talking and breathing in bacteria constantly that's just swimming around in your saliva right now. Speaking of that, zero return wets the tooth uh, wet the toothbrush before use. Well, yeah, who doesn't? Well, I think he means like first water on the toothbrush, then layer the paste. Yeah, that's yeah. what I do. You don't? You oh yeah, put- I guess I yeah. guess I do. I mean, at the risk of seeming unhygienic, I, I'll have to go back and look. But I don't think it seems no water it's- paste. Or would you put paste on a dry brush? Well, paste and then water on both? Some people do that. I think I do that. We don't. Gary and I and Zero Return don't. I'm disgusting. No, I don't think it's a disgusting thing. It's sort of like some people pee sitting down, some pee standing up. Diana Poo says, when I see someone on a payphone, I wonder if it's someone asking for ransom. I don't do that, but I like that. Well, that's just someone who does cocaine all the time. That's like a paranoid state. <laughs> like you're, if you if you're like driving, I know that I've gotten way too high. If I start thinking shit like that, yeah. oh man, they're asking for ransom. I think, or it could just be sort of an idol. Like like whenever I see two people near each other on cell phones, I think to myself, I wonder if they're talking to each other. I, I don't really this, wonder. I wonder if this person is just really young, and the idea of anyone using a payphone is just so ludicrous to them that you must be doing something nefarious. Right. That's oh, it. maybe that's I it. think that's what it is. That's okay. It. Okay. She's a youngie. She uh, just joined Twitter and tweeted me yesterday and said I was her first tweet um, and that uh, this is her favorite podcast. Oh. So she's delightful. Well, thanks. Yeah. Okay. Solid Snake 420. Every time I use Listerine, I have to piss immediately after, even if I just did before using Listerine. That's weird. I think that's weird. That is weird. Yeah. That's a strange. That's definitely odd. Right. That's just you, man. I mean, are you not draining it enough the first time? Okay. No, it, it, you, here's what you do. You need to trace back in your mind the first time you used Listerine because guaranteed your aunt fisted you that day or something. <laughs> yeah, you, he, that, he picked up a bad vibe in his urethra that day. Yeah. <clears throat> your aunt shoved her, her, her finger into your pee hole that day. Trust me, happened to all of us, friend. <laughs> Stored 101. Stop the microwave one second before the timer goes off. I do all sorts of weird shit with numbers and with timers and things like that. So, yes, I can talk <laughs> myself into, oh, my God, it's bad luck. If I let the mic- microwave go all the way, I have to stop it. Uh. Bad luck. It's just something weird. 
I just don't like the thing beeping really loud, so I stop it. I don't. Um, oh yeah, I don't like that either. But I don't, yeah. I'm not scared that the roof will implode or something. Well, I don't. I don't actually think it's actually bad. You know, I've talked about this before. I have all sorts of weird number superstitions, even though I don't think of myself as a superstitious person, with the exception of I don't like when people open umbrellas indoors. I really don't believe in much or anything except I don't like to wake up on a zero or a five. And I don't like the. And I don't like the. Mic- I don't believe in much, but this is what I subscribe to, folks. I don't like if I do thirty seconds on the microwave, I'll stop it so that thirty didn't run all the way. I'll stop it so that it only like twenty seven or twenty three or twenty nine or something. Sure, but I would prefer to put thirty three on there. Then it can go all the way. I sure you guys are the same. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Oh yes. Yeah. So I, I was raised right. That's how I was taught to live. <laughs> but the reason I don't think I'm crazy is because if for some reason I have to get up on a zero or a five or the microwave has to run 30 seconds and then beep, I will be okay. <laughs> right. I don't have to do – I don't have to like spin around four times to my left yelling quirk or something. It's a good idea too, but I don't have to. Does that fix it? <laughs> but probably, yeah. Who uh, knows? Similarly, I have an, a Magic 8 ball. But I won't ask it any morbid questions. No morbid questions is the rule. Like I won't say if someone I know is flying, are they going to make it? You know, because that's unfair to them and it brings down the whole plane. <laughs> well, you never fucking know, man. I mean, uh, what, here's a. I mean, not to add to this, I, <laughs> not to add to, to the paranoia of superstition. But if we exist in a multiverse where every single possible thing is happening at once, which is an idea some people have, like everything's happening at once, all possibilities are happening at the same time. Then perhaps, right? Perhaps, but that eight ball, that shift in the in the movement of the eight uh, ball, the blue could fluid. create yeah, the blue yeah, fluid, tiny wave it of could energy, create a chain reaction that That's ends right. up causing whatever the rotor is in the engine of the plane to fly off midair and cause the. It's not going to happen. Right, too much power. It's not. Real. I know. I don't really believe that. But okay, this idea that um, the. All possibilities are happening at once. Multiverse theory. Yes. This is something that um, my boyfriend and I have discussed because he is like more well-read on all of that. And to me, I'm like, that's an interesting theory or notion. But there's actually science suggesting that that is the case. Yes? Yeah. Like this, yeah. like there's sort of quantum physics and things kind of dovetail with this. And that's where I'm lost. Well, they, they want to like – to the. There's, th- there's, I think, pure theories because I, I, I'm not sure anyone's proven it. Though, like some people, I've, I've read that uh, gravity itself could be the force of some other universe sort of merging with ours. I saw mm-hmm. some documentary on that weird shit like that. I, I don't understand quantum physics, but I, I, I do think that we sort of our understanding of how big the universe is is we seems to um, grow with our technology as our technology right. accelerates the universe gets bigger because the lens that we look through is becoming more and more advanced so it went from us thinking there were what seven planets to now we're like there seems to be an Six. infinite number of galaxies yeah now there's four yeah. no, but they- <laughs> it gets bigger and bigger there seems to be an infinite number of, of galaxies um, and, and, and of course the Im- implication is that of those galaxies, there's probably life supporting planets, but based just on that, that as our, our technology ex- advances, the universe gets bigger. I think it, it stands to reason that they're going to re- realize that there's actually 
more than just one universe. Right. There's but infinite universes in the same way that there's infinite galaxies. Why would this is to someone who understands this, this is a dumb question, but to someone who doesn't, this is my question. Um, as someone who doesn't. But why would there be another me on the other planet? Well, I think the idea is that in an infinite, if we're, if we're playing in, in, in the field of infinity, then that means not that every single thing oh, is I happening. See. Infinite possibility, infinite, there, every single moment is happening, but you're just in one part of the uh, frequency uh, yeah. of what you are. Right, so, right. Sort of like light is the whole spectrum of yes, colors, but yeah. you're just red. That's it. But at all times, ooh, okay. So it's like it, like a flashlight or something. Like at all times, the whole beam is happening, but you're just only aware of one. Yeah, and, and yes. It, or, or another way to put it is, so right now, there's and uh, literally millions of things that you could do from the most extreme to the most minimal in this in every single moment in this studio right and so you know the idea is each of those things kind of create tribut- tributaries that lead you to other like that that lead in certain directions of of what you are mm-hmm. and so all those tributaries are happening at once so the, the, the if you believe that time does not exist or is a product of neurology, then that means literally every single thing that could happen is happening right now. And that's amazing because if every single thing that could happen is happening, then the idea is that we can connect with specific nodes of the multiverse that we would like to uh, merge with. And that's goal setting. So when you're setting a goal, you're creating in your mind a kind of gps coordinate for the part of the multiverse that you want to be existing in and then you move in that direction and merge with it which is also people say that's what prayer is you're kind of like praying to the place of like pure potentiality that you're already at to navigate towards it who knows, man? I don't know, but I love it. it the, the, I love it because it gives you – these kinds of ideas give you handles that you can use to um, navigate through life mm-hmm. instead of just sort of walking through it in a, a hypnotic slumber as so many people are. It's fun to think. Even if it's not real, it's fun to think that right now existing is the ultimate version of you, whatever that may be. I don't know what it is, but whatever that might – the way that you most perfectly see yourself, it's fun to think you're already that person. Yeah. It's already there. She's right no, there. she's right here. Ah, I mean, not beautiful. really, but oh, thanks. You know I, what I, I, oh, Go ahead. Yeah, why not? You're super cool. I could see that. Sure. Well, well, thanks. And by the way, I know that you and Pete Holmes are, are friends. Yeah. I want to be friends with you guys, not just podcast friends. Be friends with us. I would love to be friends with you. Yeah, I would love that too. I mean, this is the problem. We've all gotten, we're all doing these podcasts and we're all meeting each other, but somehow we've gotten in this situation where unless we're recording our conversations, we can't I'm hang out. I'm not like that. I know Pete is, I'm not jockeying for position, but I know Pete's like that. I'm not like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Pete, just where are, hey, Holmes, where are, he's so busy right now. It's, that's yeah. a busy guy because he got that. Please, so you probably need another friend then. I need me, a me. Yes, done. Okay. Pals. Excellent. Um, all right. And here's an awkward segue. You guys, you might be wanting to buy something on Amazon. You probably are because they have everything. Just like the multiverse contains all possibilities and all infinities. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Infinities can't be plural, but in, Shh, it just I, was. Uh, yeah, I guess it can be. Infinite with an A-E like antenna. Um, <laughs> it's just an, it's just in, in, in infinity. Amazon contains an infinity of stuff. That stuff. I mean, not an infinity, but a whole hell of a lot. And you might need that. And you probably are going to buy it on Amazon because it's so easy and it's simple. And why not click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com, uh, because that helps out the show and it doesn't cost you anything extra. And that would be delightful. And I would love if you could do that. Okay. And bookmark it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. To, to clear your cookies and bookmark it. That's what I meant to say. Um, Duncan, where can we find you? I'm uh, DuncanTrussell.com is where my podcast is. And I'm Duncan Trussell, T-R-U-S-S-E-L-L on Twitter. Say hi. Yeah. Say hi. And are you doing any stand-up or anything that people should know about? Or maybe we just check your website and we'll All the dates. It. I've got a tour coming up. I'm going to be in Dallas and Austin and Houston. And um, I'm going to North Carolina this weekend and then Vancouver the weekend after. So just check it out. All the dates are there. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been delightful. Um, and you guys can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at ARIYNBF. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. And you can email us at ARIYNBF at adamcrowell.com. And don't forget to leave some iTunes comments. Click five stars if you think it deserves it, or even if you don't. Uh, and then we can include those in our iTunes comment of the week. And I love you guys, and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Hey, do you know and Rosen Show We had a good time But now we gotta go Thank you for choosing The Alice and Rosen Show